Hey everyone, and welcome back to CEO Cheat Sheet Podcast. Today, I have another episode with an amazing guest, Michaela Schakenbach, who is leading as a owner and creative director at Bandit Design Group. Very interesting title, and I'm excited to have you as a guest uh, today, Michaela. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here and have a chat with you. Great. I'm going to start from maybe you telling a bit about your business and what actually very interesting to me, like how you come up with this idea of naming Bandit. It's it's very interesting title, I got to say. I get that question a lot. Um, so Bandit is a brand experience agency based here in Sydney. We've got a really strong focus on branding. So brand strategy and identity and the brand experience portion of it comes through because we're really passionate about understanding a brand or creating a brand and uncovering its essence and then filtering that out over every single touch point that a brand has with, with its customers. So creating that end-to-end experience of a brand that people get to enjoy, know and love and it builds trust and all of these other wonderful things. So yeah, that's kind of where we've landed in terms of being a brand experience agency. We also do website design and development, packaging and a ton of other things. We're essentially a design agency at at heart and the name the name took me about a year to come up with I think from a from quite an early age I knew I wanted to start my own studio and um, I'm one of those people that if I don't have the right name I can't start just yet so it took me about a year to come up with the name but the word bandit came to me because it kind of represented wanting to do something different and not wanting to do I suppose what everybody else was doing at the time in my life. So that's where the, the name Bandit came up. It's about doing something a bit brave, a bit bold, and a bit different. Thank you for sharing that. I think uh, these origins of the name is definitely making a great job for you because now it's very easy to remember that. Your company is easy rec- recognizable by that. So what I understood that it's not about just the brand itself, it's like supplying the full package of identity of the business, since you mentioned um, you help into the websites as well. And I'm curious, like such holistic approach, what's driven you to create that business? Like what's your mission or goal with this business in the long term? The mission is to, well, I suppose the purpose of the company is to give our clients an unfair advantage in their markets. We want to give them that competitive edge that is so different to their competitors and the landscape of the industry that they get noticed for the right reasons, of course. (laughs) But really, yeah, giving them that identity to be who who they are and deliver on their purpose as a company and really stand out. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I think a lot of startups I'm dealing with uh, with my business basically perceive the brands like just a logo or color palette. They do not uh, bring much, I would say, thought to creating something that would differentiate them, that would simply help them on the marketing journey to getting into their customers' heads properly as I would call it. Yeah, I understand. But what, what's your personal goal with this business? Like, do you, does it 100% aligned with uh, business goals or um, you have some different vision on that? Yeah, I think my personal goal is to create a company that people really want to be a part of and really want to work with as well. So I think that was always a really big driver for me in the very beginning is creating a place that people love to come every day and work and get to exercise their creative skills and contribute to 
the brands that we work with in a positive way and help them achieve their visions as well. So yeah, it's really about bringing people together, connection, using and combining our creative ideas, skills, expertise to create something really awesome together. Mm. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And I think while there's um, goodies about running the business, what could you say that the challenging part of it, like all it all is a breeze and you configured everything to the perfect state? <laughs> that would be <laughs> ideal. But no, of course, there's so many challenges. Like, you know, businesses uh, and owning a business comes with so many highs and so many lows. And I'd say, yeah, even recently, I think everybody in our industry kind of is feeling a little bit of that pinch that is a result of the state of the economy and all of those types of things. So there's definitely challenges in terms of keeping the pipeline up to speed so that we've got the right workflow for the to service the team. Managing people, that's always something to consider as well, especially with creatives. So there's challenges there from time to time. And then just keeping on top of all the little details, you know, we work so closely with so many brands and we really do our best to be the custodian of their brand in the best way possible. So that comes with remembering all the little details and documenting them and having them down pat and being able to bring out those specific things that you need to remember at the right time. So there's always a little bit of a challenge in that in terms of yeah, how many brands we work across at any given time. So there are there are lots of challenges. <laughs> Got it. Well, I think you probably have a really great uh, system that we are hopefully going to top in the moment uh, to learn how the system support during these challenging times to maintain the balance uh, inside the team. And before we get into that, one quick question about the daily lifestyle. What helps you probably keep everything going the way you see it? Like maybe you can share some habits or, I don't know, rituals uh, like gym or exercises that help keep you in shape to lead this journey for your team. Yeah, I think self-care is such a big one. You know, making sure that you're taking care of yourself so you can show up for your team and your clients and really give them the best that you've got. So like an avid meditator, I meditate every day. So that's a really important ritual for me. Um, I live near the beach and that's kind of like a real calming, relaxing thing for me. So I take my dog for a walk down to the beach every single morning before I start work as well. And then my weekends are really about like just getting organized and feeling like I've got my life in order so that I can go into the week feeling really grounded and, you know, the wheels aren't going to fall off. I've got, I do like my grocery shopping, do all of my washing, get all of that stuff sorted. It sounds so mundane, but to me, that's like self-care is having all of those areas of my life kind of under control. That's interesting. My wife shared that when she does, you know, some kind of thing around the home, it's like meditating sort of for her because she's like yeah. just carried away by doing some task and the brain is just really relaxing and you know it it, it, it also fulfills the uh, understanding of having everything in order i just try to not uh, move things too much <laughs> so i don't need to do that but yeah it's a different story but thank you very much for sharing that i'm really curious like how how you manage uh, it's, it's completely out of topic but i'm just curious if you go with the doctor bitch and you start meditating as i imagine that I mean, whether the dog just patiently wait for, for that process to end <laughs> or just running around. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I do I do my meditation at home before I go to the dog park at the beach. 
I've thought about combining them and then, you know, yeah, I thought too, no, nah, probably just better to do that at home before. <laughs> yes, that's smart. Okay, got it. <laughs> Amazing. All right, cool. I think that's very helpful to understand, especially we are dealing with the digital world. We are working in front of these computers, the boxes, which I think often being forget, forgot and this touching with, um, with the environment, the physical environment is extremely important. Once we get into the core system, we're going to walk through the structured, let's say, agenda of how the business is managed on the example of your company. And there are a few items we're going to cover, such as client engagement first. And this is like probably the very beginning of interaction with potential customer. So how, how do you approach this very first stage? Is there some process that you might share? Like, do you have presentation first where you show portfolio cases? and uh, having some pricing, like how, how it's all, how it looks like for Bendy Design Group. We've got a couple of different programs that we use. So our kind of CRM system that facilitates the quoting and the contracts and the invoice is called Dobsado. So we use that program to automate a client inquiry and booking in an initial call. So someone might inquire through our website and they'll get an automated email to book in a 15-minute call with me to discuss the needs of their project so that we can kind of get enough information to put together a proposal. So that's kind of the first step. Yeah, we use a program to facilitate that. From there, we will develop a proposal. And because we're a design studio, we like that to be really visual and sell in the, the brand and our services. So we create that in Figma because we can utilize video and moving images and stuff like that. So it brings this other level of movement to our proposals. So yeah, we'll kind of talk through the needs of the client and show that we understand what they're looking for and give them, you know, a little bit of a rundown on how we can help. We'll talk about our services and what the process and inclusions look like. We'll go through our delivery team. So introducing them to the team members who might be working on their project. We'll also put together a bit of an indicative timeline. So they can get an idea of how long the process actually takes because people would be quite surprised sometimes how, you know, how long the process takes. And while we try to be as fast as we can from the experience that we've got, we know how long it takes. So it's good to communicate that. And then we cover off on the investment and different payment options. And that gets presented to the client if possible. If not, we might record like a Loom video to run them through it. So they've got that kind of touch point of me walking through it. And then, yeah, once they're kind of ready to sign off, that's where we come back to Dubsado with the finalised quote, takes them through the contract and the invoice process, and then we're off and away, ready to get started. Got it. Well, I got to say I'm surprised because of the way it's structured, organised and disciplined. Don't get me wrong, but I, I've been in touch with many creative agencies they I probably they aren't even near to what you have. Like starting from the fact that you have like end-to-end -end solution for generating the quote and get engaged with the client this is extremely smart with the automated reply. I think here's just a pure wisdom for any listener that it's a complete process. I just Googled Dubsado uh, to double check that it looks like really impressive. And you also have a signature process in place. It's like pushing the customer towards making a decision. And as far as I understood this Figma, because we work with, that, with it a lot as well, 
Do you mean you create like um, a response to any client inquiry or just as a finishing process of initial engagement in an interactive dynamic way? Something like what you're capable of instead of just, you know, sending a letter or standard, you know, PDF presentation? Exactly. It's instead of a PDF, it's an online link that gets delivered to them and it's got a little bit of more of an experience of what we can create. So there is a bit of movement and we'll put videos and animation in there just to give them a little bit of a hint of what we can kind of do. It's really cool. I mean, <laughs> I wish everybody else would do that because it would simplify, you know, understanding what, what the company is capable of. That works just amazing for you, I bet. What's your next step? Like when you go to work execution, let's say client is agreed to proceed and you start the work. And I also want to just double down on the fact that you also presented the timeline, projected timeline to the client already alongside with this initial step, right? And potential ballpark estimation. I mean, you just start the work with this information right away or is there any adjustments in the process? Yeah, for a regular project where we might be starting with a brand piece, so that might be brand strategy, identity, naming, something like that, our first step is to run a strategy session together. So that's a really important session for us to really understand the client, the business needs, the vision, and go through all of the different brand foundations because that's kind of the key area that we focus on when we're working with clients. So once we've engaged in that meeting, that's where we'll firm up our timeline. So in the proposal phase, it's a bit of an indicative timeline. It's pretty undetailed and top level. But once we come into the actual project, we'll create a really detailed timeline, which will outline all of the steps of the process, when we'll be working on which portions, when we'll require feedback from them as well. Because it's really important for our clients to be engaged in the process and provide us feedback throughout the project so we can keep moving. So we, we start off with that kind of phase, like a bit of a kickoff call, finalizing all of the details, and then we'll roll into design. So once we get into design, we're using various design programs. We use monday.com to track all of our projects where our team can time track. And that's where we, I suppose, document all of the feedback and um, the steps of the project as well. So a lot of the time we're designing in Figma now as well. It's just really um, dynamic and collaborative too. So if we're having multiple team members work across the project, they can kind of jump in there together and design and create together. Whereas on Adobe <laughs> Creative Cloud, it's very individualized. So I know they've bought Figma now. <laughs> Hopefully they don't ruin it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's something that we also had a huge fear because we don't like Adobe, to be honest, at all. I mean, nobody in our <laughs> yeah. company. And I don't know too much people who would say otherwise. And Figma is just amazing tools. It's, it's much faster working, non less, you know, intrusive. So I'm, we hope, we collectively, I think, hope that nothing's going to happen bad to Figma. That's <laughs> cool that you mentioned this. So you, the progress actually tracked in Monday. So for any task, a more detailed timeline, I bet is also coming out of the work in the system. I'm curious, like when it comes to reports and communication of the progress, does the client have access to the Monday portal? Like how they track that everything is on schedule, you know, or just seeing what's going on? Mm, yeah, we don't actually give them access to the Monday portal. We've got an account management team. So they work really, they work really closely with the client and they'll keep them up to date with where we are in the project. We're often presenting at different milestones with the project. So we've kind of got meetings locked in with our clients so they know when the next pieces are coming for the project. And yeah, it happens quite manually 
and free-flowing at the moment in terms of the reporting and the communication with the actual client. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I have a tricky question. It might be topping too much in the way you work, but I'm just curious, do you guys track time internally for the team to understand like how efficient you are? Yeah, we use monday.com to time track every single project task. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I've always was keen to ask like how creative people perceive that part because from the first impression you, you have when someone's talking about time tracking, you think like, ah, oh, they want to control me, micromanagement, this, that award. But does it really create the same vibes in your team or you perceive it in a different way? Yeah, I think it definitely can be perceived that way. And I think I'm quite consciously trying to describe it to our team as it's for all of us, really. And it's making sure that the business is remaining profitable because we can't operate if we're not profitable. And if we're going over hours on every single project, then that's not sustainable. Making sure that we're charging correctly for our services in the future as well. So if we're noticing a bit of a pattern where we're going over hours on particular types of clients or projects, then it means that we can build that into our fees down the track as well. So it's not so much about, I suppose, comparing and nitpicking. (laughs) It's more about bigger business picture of making sure that we're running a sustainable and successful business. Yeah, I love that explanation. I think your team also appreciate that because it's it's very reasonable. And uh, I started to use a different word to differentiate this original assumption I made about the control. So it's more like about the communication. Yeah. So just giving a little bit more information, like indication of how performance a specific you know task would be against a specific person, which would then aggregate in a bigger picture, as you said, with give a company a strategic value and uh, ability to estimate maybe something in the future. Yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, I love numbers, of course, as um, having the background as an engineer, and it's often very hard to persuade people to cooperate if, if the communication is not done properly. So I really appreciate the way you explain that. I'm just adding it to my storage <laughs> of how I got to deal with that. <laughs> you can borrow that one. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's very helpful because at the end of the day, like I'm just g- gonna give a quick example. Also, like I don't know if you do PDP, like personal development plan, but having this information would help promote someone. I mean, it's kind of you know two way contract between the company and the employees, right? If we see transparently that you are doing great, we come first and promote you. There is no question like or exams or I don't know whatever other companies do. We just see like okay, this guy is hitting or. This uh, lady is hitting goals all the time or just uh, exceeding w- what he or she did. So why not to, you know, promote and stimulate the first uh, future growth? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that as well. Cool. All right. So it's clear that you have pretty much everything bootstrapped when it comes to operational success on the ongoing basis. And when it comes to invoicing and payments, I'm going to do the something that I traditionally do this on this podcast. Let me guess. You use zero. Yes. Okay. <laughs> So Zero seems to be dominating here completely. I mean, I know there is a MyOB as well, but it seems I, I never heard anyone using MyOB so far. <laughs> Very rarely, I think I come across someone using MyOB. Nice. Well, Zero is doing a great job then. So you basically generate invoices there, send it to the client, and Zero is kind of taking care of the accounting part of the business. Am I right? Yeah. Um, we've got a bit of a two-pronged approach where we've got Dubsado, which does take care of bigger project invoicing because it's got that automated capability 
through accepting the proposal to signing the contract and making payment. So there is that. And then for ongoing clients, we'll use zero because we don't need them to sign the contract again. So we'll use zero just to create invoices on the fly. That's pretty smart. Does Monday and, ah, well, you probably don't need this integration. I was thinking like that, whether the upside integrates with Monday, but as you say, like for the retainer kind of clients, you probably just uh, handle the things with zero. But do you automatically generate the invoice in zero? Is still the manual labor um, required? Yeah. Um, Dubsado talks to zero, but there's a little bit of miscommunication sometimes. So it does mean that we have to jump in and fix things up each week just to make sure they're talking to each other nicely. <laughs> so, yeah, there is like a little bit of a missing piece of the puzzle there for us in terms of systems and processes. So we might be exploring what that could look like in the future over the next few months as well, just to get that tightened up. Got it. And to close the chapter about the reporting, I would like to tap into some high-level uh, vision, something that pursuing me even till today day in my company is having the high-level statistics about how the company operates, like how these different projects are profitable. Do you still use spreadsheets or Monday can give you such perspective already? Like not only just a gross margin, against specific project. And I don't know if you calculate it to that detail, but also to the overall net profit, like can you get to this number uh, with existing tools or still using spreadsheets? Yeah, we're still using spreadsheets for that. We haven't quite figured out how to be able to produce that out of Monday. So yeah, that kind of happens behind the scenes in spreadsheets still. And would you say that it's something that is absolutely fine and doesn't require much time or energy, or is it something that you see that might be valuable for for your business to have automated? I see it definitely being valuable. It would take out some of that manual work that happens in inputting the numbers into the spreadsheet. We've got a good template set up, but it's not instant. And if it was linked in with monday.com, then it would be a little bit more instant and easier to get a really good glance on it quickly as opposed to having to punch in all the numbers for every single project. That's clear. And I think I'm just curious about the autonomy of your business. How do you consider the current state of Bandy Design Group being autonomous? Can you like take a sabbatical for one year and uh, be calm, having a peace in mind that nothing's going to go wrong? (laughs) I would love to say that I could, but at this point, probably not. I think we're working really hard to get into a place where as the business owner, I could step away for a really long period of time and not be checking my slacks and my emails. (laughs) So yeah, we've got a really amazing team in place and everybody's in their positions and has the ability to kind of step up and do that. I think it's actually part of me and my mindset of being able to leave it you know it's been my baby for six years and I really nurtured it for a long time so it's just making sure that everything's in place yeah I feel comfortable to step away well that's a strong answer I think from what I've heard so far you again you have very organized system and I'm actually very teased to to learn more and about some nitty-gritty details because this is something that I rarely see and I'm just curious how the small details are working. But of course, every other listener of this podcast, we realize not all secrets must be revealed. And that's definitely, you are doing a great job. This is absolutely no doubts about that. When it comes to any other tips and tricks that you would want to share about running the business that we didn't cover in this process, what would you share and recommend to the listeners? There's been a few things that we've kind of realized along the way and implemented that have been really helpful 
just in terms of being able to put a value to what we can create for clients. So we've done some really in-depth, again, spreadsheets where we kind of look at, you know, the main packages and projects that we'll be often rolling out for clients and breaking those down into all of the little tasks that might be involved, all of the team members that might be involved as well, and putting kind of a bit of an estimation of how much time they would be putting into these projects. So we've kind of got a really solid process for every single service that we do in terms of what order of tasks need to happen, when, which team member needs to be across it and how much time we can kind of schedule in to the studio to make it happen. So we run some pretty sophisticated studio scheduling. Again, that's happening in a spreadsheet at the moment as well. So I suppose my tip there is to get really granular and have a think about all of the little tasks that make up the bigger picture for what you're offering and make sure everything's been accounted for and um, can get scheduled into the schedule for the team as well. That's a pretty valuable piece of advice you share. And I think this is part of the contribution of the level of Excel you have with autonomy. So what you just described to me sounds like workload management and resource planning, because you said you work tightly on the schedule for each team member. That means you can efficiently tap into the future and see whether we will have like uh, as a team, you know, overloading or underloading, because both of these scenarios for any um, service business is unfavorable, of course. You either lose people's energy or money. And I'm just curious, I, I, I don't know like why, and I'm making notes to empower my future agenda for this core part of the podcast, but I think workload management and resource management is usually a feat of more developed companies that solved a lot of essential problems. And I'm curious, like, do you solve it inside a Monday or you said that you do this in spreadsheets and I'm curious, like, why you don't do this inside Monday? Do they, don't they have this like workload management? So, you know, kind of estimate typical tasks and play this. Yeah, from what we've kind of seen so far, they don't do it to the degree that we want at the moment or we don't have the view that we can have in a spreadsheet where we've got all of our team members, all of our projects, the hour allocation, and then have that reduced from the availability as well. So it's like we can really quickly see, okay, we can start a new project in three weeks' time because Ash has availability to start. So it's having it set up in the right way so that you can visually understand it really quickly is also really important for us. I love to hear that. It's so amazing. Well, by two reasons. First of all, I'm glad Monday didn't do that so we can have some chance with our product. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing is that you define something that is extremely important. I don't know how they design these features, but probably now it's clear. You understand better the need of your team and the business. And that's why you use spreadsheets because you simply need to have this level of detail, right? That's interesting. Okay, something to think about. <laughs> yeah. And how do you see, since we have a little bit of extra time, I'm curious about the AI play in this game of empowerment, the agencies and service businesses. Do you use like any AI, uh, I mean, in your business or do you see AI helping you run the business in its current state? Yeah, I definitely see AI having a great place in helping us with automations, especially on project management, like in Monday. I haven't been able to play around with it just yet, but hopefully when we get a little bit of time, we'll be able to just in terms of being able to trigger new parts of projects and pulses on Monday to come in when another piece has been closed out. Just having automations like that, I can see that 
being really useful. So helping us run the project management system, client communication, probably as well. That would be really helpful. Recording meetings, transcribing them, turning them into meeting notes, things like that. So we haven't actually dabbled in that just yet. We're still doing things the old school way. But I can see that being really helpful. And then in terms of our actual service offering, we will occasionally use ChatGPT to maybe spark some ideas. So we might, you know, type a few things in there and see what it spits out. But in our use of it, it hasn't been too helpful in actually delivering the work to date. I think it can be really useful for particular things. But when it comes to the creative work and the work we do, where we're diving so deep into a brand and then creating language and visuals that are deeply connected to that, it doesn't have the ability to do that at the moment. So we're not using AI to actually deliver any work, more so using it to maybe brainstorm and spark ideas for the team. That's interesting because what do you share about the AI not able to understand the specifics of your business is directly connected to the fine tuning of the model. So essentially you need to, AI should learn and study the way you work before it can produce something that you probably would accept. Because without that knowledge, it just gives a generalized statement. And I'm curious, like what kind of expectation would you, if we, I would say, imagine a little bit, what would be the great output for Bandit Design Group from AI that might, you know, move you to the next level, maybe at some point? Do, do you expect it to produce like designs following the patterns you have, or like, or complete interfaces? Or it's, it's like not so big and dramatic? Hmm. Yeah, I haven't actually really thought too much about that. It would probably be in developing language in in the way of like business names, taglines, like putting the language to it or maybe producing imagery where, um, you know, maybe imagery that doesn't currently exist but being able to kind of detail out what needs to be included in an image and it spitting something like that out. I don't know. I'm not very up to um, date in the area. So I'm probably really behind a lot of your listeners in terms of what's actually possible. I know that stuff is already possible and floating around. I just haven't played with it at the moment. But a lot of our projects before we're, you know, creating the actual image and the copy for a website, for example, we're using placeholder and that's about us finding existing imagery that represents what we would like to create for these particular points of a website. So being able to, I suppose, generate something that's a little bit more specific to the brand we're working on, that could be really helpful. All right, got it. Well, I think I have a quick, I think, insight that you might use already today. This is something I'm kind of digesting. Instead of using placeholder illustration, you can actually feed it as an example, something that you would use a placeholder in the tool called Midjourney and ask it to generate something different following your description. And this might be exactly unique for the business and might contribute to increased value of uh, of your services because nobody else would able to do that. The output of this AI work is extremely different. You can also adjust it in the way you want. And I believe this is something that might work. Though there's still pitfalls and I'm just gonna share a real story. One company was doing the brand design. They wanted to develop the kind of mascot or different logo. And they asked it to draw koala. And this koala had incorrect number of fingers. This is a known uh, challenge that AI has. And uh, yeah, this is something that they still have to take as inspiration as far as I got them. And um, 
a real person would redraw it. There's still there's something they didn't like, but I think it's getting closer, at least for some illustrations, if they make sense and don't have this weird stuff like incorrect number of fingers, I think it might help a lot. Yeah, it's still early days, I think. So I'll be watching on to see how it develops and yeah, seeing how we might be able to integrate it into what we do as well to help us take the studio further. Amazing. Well, cool. I would like to switch to the unwinding part because we already covered everything in core. I'm just surprised how well organized your business is. Like, I didn't expect this part to be that short, but it seems like this is a great example of a fully bootstrapped uh, agency operations with a few things left on the side, which I think they're going to come up uh, in a few years or even earlier. Like those high level tasks of connecting everything to have everything automated, we are still not there yet, but the rest is uh, seems to be pretty covered. So as an winding part, we love to ask a little bit tricky question. Can you tell us something that is not on your LinkedIn profile, something that you will be comfortable to share? I love watching kids' movies. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, it brings me a lot of like inspiration and I just find them so intriguing and clever because I feel like often you'll watch children's movies and there'll always be some kind of underlying message or little kind of bits that are for the adults who are in the room and who are listening, but they're delivered in such a way that it's appropriate for children as well. So, yeah, I suppose that's... Oh, wait, I unwind too. And yeah, I love watching children's movies and just I feel like the creativity is unmatched to what's created in the adult world. So I really like diving into that world a little bit. That's interesting. What's your favorite animated movie? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> I love Cloudy Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. Absolute classic. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm not remember if I, I've seen it. Actually, I also watch a lot of things. I have a different reasons. Mainly, I love the spectacular view because, well, it actually, I think it's the same point. It's very unlimited in the way they generate uh, the ideas. Like, I would say, visualize the ideas, right? Like, it's something that adult movies can be considered as boring. <laughs> same real life, same real people. Yeah, there's some idea. But with uh, cartoons or animated videos, it seems like they're completely unbound. So I completely share <laughs> that vision. Exactly. It's like limit, limitless in what, in what they can do with the creativity in that space. Well, thank you very much for sharing that, um, Michaela. I think we are good for today. I really excited again to have you as a guest. It's absolute delight to learn how Bandit Design Group achieves its operational, I would say, success and how you excel. And I really wish uh, your organization to continue inspire many businesses in creating real, really true differentiating brands. One last thing just to share with our listeners is how can anyone could contact you? Is it the best to go just to your website or there is any other way? Yeah, you can find us at banditdesigngroup.com.au or on our Instagram page at banditdesigngroup. Or you can contact me on LinkedIn, Michaela Shekenbach. Oh, that probably would be the easiest. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We'll supply the links for everything. Thank you very much again, Michaela. It was a pleasure to know you and your business better. And uh, hopefully, yeah, we'll come up soon and see how you can help with our brand because I'm also in the search and I love what you do, guys. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. And I look forward to chatting with you about that. Yeah.